On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're back parenting with Rafe Spall and Esther Smith as they launch into life as new parents in season three of Trying on Apple TV+. Plus. Finding out that doing your civic duty can have some pretty gnarly consequences in Witness number three on Channel 5. And finally, entering the home stretch with Slippin' Jimmy McGill with the final part of the final season of Better Call Saul on Netflix. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters and a podcast that will never again tempt the wrath of the whatever from high atop the thing. Because as you will have gathered from my hasty drop in last week, uh, after uttering the ill-fated words, maybe I need to catch COVID and that's how I'll get through Better Call Saul on this very podcast, what happened? I immediately caught COVID, uh, scratchy throat on Thursday evening, which I frankly put down to arguing with Boyd over breeders, but that was followed by flu symptoms, aching limbs, dizziness, and then a whole weekend feeling like I'd been hit by a battle start. So fate, it seems, is not without a sense of irony. However, I am through the worst of it now and somehow managed not to infect my two co-hosts either despite lack of trying. Uh, I refer, of course, <laughs> to the almost obscenely robust and healthy duo staring back at me, Boyd Hilton and Beth Webb. How are your non-COVID-y selves? Yeah, all right. No thanks to you. I knew it'd somehow be my fault that you got ill, yeah. And, and Breeders' oh, yeah. fault. Blame 100%. Breeders. Blame yes. Breeders for everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, it was it was honestly like when i was editing back to it i was very tempted to put in another little swoosh drop in just as i literally say the words i hope i catch covid and then i can watch better call saul it's like dear reader i caught covid have, have you the question is have how many episodes of better call saul are, did you watch well well boyd are we gonna well, get to that Oh. We are gonna get to that in the what we've okay. been watching, but I will give you a brief preview and say that uh, true to my word, I sat down and I did as I promised last week. I watched the first episode, as you know, of season one, and I read the Wikipedia and I watched the synopsis. And then, as I said I would, I watched the last episode of season one. And then I caught COVID. And so what I did when I had COVID was I watched the whole of season two. Oh. Oh. And then I watched the whole of season three. Oh. <laughs> and wow. I am now into season four. Oh, uh, shit. Oh, shit, indeed. Like, I oh, honestly think if you sat me down right now and asked me to take the Albuquerque bar exam, I could probably pass it. <laughs> like, 100%. Like, I feel so utterly on point with New Mexico <laughs> law. Like, it's extraordinary. Um, I will also say that, you know how, same with Breaking Bad, like, Better Call Saul has that slightly weird vibe where it's quite bleak and sun-bleached, a little bit surreal, slightly odd. Like, mm. when you've got a massive fever and a sweating, that is not great to sort of mainline 20 hours of because yeah. it makes you feel really peculiar. And there was genuinely a point where and this is absolutely true, there is a seven-minute sequence of Mike banging nails into a garden hose. And he's oh, making yeah. this... And mm, I was just I like, remember. first of all, this scene does not need to be seven minutes long. And second of all, I was like, am I alive? Am I conscious? <laughs> like, have I entered some weird dream state? Like, what is going on? Amazing. Because obviously we're going to get into Better Call Saul improperly in the show. But what's quite interesting to me about Better Call Saul is the same thing that I had with Breaking Bad, is that it's... You know, we use the words deliberate and ponderous quite a lot. Like, it is a very deliberately paced show. It has almost its own little timeline, its own reality, where everything that in another show would be 10 seconds, if anything, if they even yeah. covered it, they might spend five minutes on, like, luxuriating in it. Like, it's really textured and detailed. And I think it takes a while for you to get into the right frame of mind to watch that, because I think the first season of Better Call Saul, as I've said before, I didn't really enjoy. Even the second season of this, I enjoyed it. 
but I didn't love it. Like, I think I, I struggled through the second season. It wasn't until the cartel stuff spins up in season three that I was like, oh, oh. Well, now this is really good. Now I can't turn it off. Once like Gus gets involved mm. and you get all it, like there, that's when I really started to get into it. But I think also I got my stride in terms of that pacing thing that we're talking about, that slightly slow, almost mindful quality it's got. Like it's weird. Did you, is this just me? Did you guys find it um, instantly easy to access or did you have this, this transition? I mean, I didn't, but I... And I said this in our spoiler special, what I find really interesting is, and you know that I am somebody who, like, just can't understand an uneconomical pace of something. Everything, if it can be told in a shorter amount of time, it should be told in a shorter amount of time. Like, there's a talent to it. If it's done well, it's done well. With this, I could watch Mike putting nails in a hose for, like, an episode. I can't quite... I don't know if it's the editing. I don't know if it's the writing. I don't think I really care. There's just such a peculiar, is is the word, it's a peculiar rhythm to the show that is so engaging. Like there's, you know, there's moments where it's just, just Jimmy and Kim watching old movies or watching television after work or having a beer or smoking a cigarette. And there is just something so engaging and you're so glad to be in the fabric of this show, whether it's watching that or watching some of, you know, the more dramatic moments, the more tense moments, the politics amongst the drug community. Like there is such a, yeah, I, I can't get enough of it. And I think that really is saying something for me. So yeah, it is, it is quite encapsulating. It is slow. It is deliberate. It is, I guess, glacial, but in, not in a way that ever feels luxurious, I mm. don't think. I wouldn't use the word glacial. I think glacial implies that it's it, that nothing's. I don't know. There's something about glacial that feels very judgmental in a kind of you know. It's, it, it's it feels kind negative. Of, yeah, it feels negative. Whereas I think no, deliberate. And usually, slow, I use it negatively. But, yeah, 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 right. Well, but I mean, fair enough. But I think I think what it is is I, I think it's all. I think they have the confidence that the people watching this show have invested so much in these characters and their mm. stories that luxuriating in the storytelling and the character development and those moments where it's all to do with that having that supreme confidence that this way they're telling this story just works for the viewers. And I think that is the absolute truth of the situation. True. So, for example, there's an episode, we talked about it um, with Chris Hewitt on the um, Spoiler Special podcast we did um, last week. There's an episode in this series that you haven't got to yet, James, which begins with the creation of a lucite um, object, right? <laughs> and that goes on. And it's, but it's like beautifully filmed that just doesn't yeah. need to be as long as it is. It doesn't, it's a kind of, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a whole, it's a little storytelling trick, you know, uh, loads of the best scenes in, in um, Better Call Saul kind of are just in the middle of something or the end of something. And then it's going to tell you what the fuck this thing is that you don't understand why they're spending so long telling you about. And mm. that happens a lot. And, and I think it just, people love that. So I think, I think it's like, it just never seems glacial to me. It seems like mm. every single scene you're watching feels important. It and, does. And, and every second somehow feels earned and, um, and absorbing, you know, engaging as, as you said, Beth, absolutely. So, so, I just think it's a bit misguided to get hook, hook to get kind of um, 
obsessed with the slowness of it because it actually while you're watching it and, and, and being absorbed by it, it doesn't it doesn't seem slow at all in fact far from no. it you want the tension is extraordinary like in, in, <laughs> yeah. we get to, in this week's episode in this oh latest episode God. it's a masterpiece of drawn out tension and every single oh, second is perfect horrible. so yeah yeah but it is also paced like nothing else on television yeah except since breaking bad like there is nothing else that has that again whether you want to call it deliberate glacial luxurious or any of that <laughs> stuff like it's a very specific type of pacing and nothing else mm. seems made that way so it, it, it almost it kind of blows my mind that it exists but and i actually don't think i've said yet but i am loving every second of it now like i like mm. i said struggled a bit through season two but into three i've been flying since then absolutely loving it there was a point where i was enjoying everything apart from the jimmy stuff like i like mike i like gus i like all that stuff and jimmy i was finding quite aggravating but i'm past that now i, I yeah i'm i'm absolutely loving this show to bits i'll tell you one one of our listeners will be pleased a guy called jason sparks dm'd me um on twitter right this is so he's so funny he said um I'm. I want to. I'm writing to request that you please call bullshit on James's pathetic excuses for not watching Better Call Saul. Um, James continues to put nonsense excuses up as reasons for not watching this masterpiece. I think he's failing his professional duties, and ultimately he should not be allowed to pass comment on, on must comment on shows if he cannot be bothered to immerse himself in this work of art. Um, there we go. Uh, I'll just go to the end. You need, Boyd, you need to hold him to account and he needs to catch up so you can review the final few episodes together. If this doesn't happen, the pod should investigate, should instigate a vote of no confidence like the Boris Johnson of the podcast and he should leave, allowing Chris Hewitt to step in and lead the show and represent the better so-called fan base. The ball is in James's court. Wow. That, that is Heat it. <laughs> That's harsh. Absolutely right. I mean, harsh yeah. but fair. Harsh but fair. Yeah. Well, I'm very yeah. pleased to say that you didn't step in, but COVID did it for you. And uh, COVID has forced me to catch up and I'm well on the way. Um, so I'm, I'm going to try not to be derailed. I was offered, I, I can't say what it is, but I've been offered every episode of an upcoming very exciting show to oh. watch. And they say, oh, we'll have it to you by the weekend. And Pipe's like, no, 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 don't. Don't don't give it to me. I don't want it. <laughs> Take it, it away. It, I'm busy. <laughs> is, it, have you, is all these episodes something to do with like beasts in some weird fantasy world? No, yeah. it's well, kind. Yes and no. It's not House of the Dragon, unfortunately, but it oh, is. No, uh, no, but it is something very special. Like something so, to do with uh, a witch. Yeah, I'm sure. I was. <laughs> uh, I, I can't. I cannot. I cannot no. say one way or the other. But suffice no. it to say, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, okay. But um, but yes, but 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 before we get onto what we've been watching, because we haven't even got to that bit yet, I should mention uh, something else happened last week uh, that I also mentioned very briefly in my little drop in, which is, and as we record, because it is Friday the fifteenth, tickets have just gone on sale. <laughs> For our all singing, all dancing, Pilot TV Live 200th episode celebration, <laughs> uh, which is pretty epic. So to mark this momentous event, we are putting on a monster day at King's Place in London on Sunday, the 21st of August. It's going to kick off at about 12, well, I say about, it's going to kick off at 12.30pm and it's going to run all the way through to about 10.30 at night. And it's going to have all manner of panels and interviews and general hilarity that you 100% do not want to miss. Uh, tickets are on sale now. Now I can read out the url in fact i will do which is www.kingsplace.co.uk slash what's dash on slash the dash pilot dash 
TV dash podcast dash live dash 200 dash episode dash celebration. Or you could just Google Pilot TV Kings Place London or go onto my Twitter feed and I'll be bang on about it there. Or go onto the Pilot TV Twitter feed and you'll find it there as well. I'll make sure it's on all the Pilot TV social channels. Uh, But do come down because it's going to be amazing. Uh, So just to kind of break it down, it's going to be split into two parts. It's going to be a huge day long thing, which will be from 12.30 to 5.30. And that's £24.50 for that. And there will be panels. There will be interviews. There will be a quiz rematch with the Empire podcast team. There will be all sorts of stuff there. There may even be some episodes on some very exciting upcoming shows for you to see as well. Uh, And then at 5.30pm, that's going to end. And we are going to have the 200th show, which is going to be in the evening from about 7pm. And that is going to be £12.50. But you can get a ticket for both the day and the evening for the bargain price of £32.50. I swear to God, I sound like Jimmy McGill doing his TV adverts Mm. for the one off bargain price <laughs> Saul Goodman Productions will film and shoot this entire day for you uh, you'd be mad not to get it uh, I'm going to have a TV ad drawn up just for this but genuinely so we're going to have our, our evening stuff and it's going to be me it's going to be Beth it's going to be Boyd it's going to be Terry fucking White Terry's going to be there as well uh, but the day is also going to be exciting we have loads of guests honestly you won't want to miss it it's going to be pretty spectacular uh, but like I say you can pick up day and evening tickets my understanding of how this works is by the day, by the evening, put them both in your basket and then the discount is applied at checkout and it will go down to £32.50. If that doesn't happen, do drop me a line. I'll sort it out for you. But it should happen. Um, it is also worth noting that an edited version of the 200 show will obviously go out as a podcast, a kind of condensed, truncated version. But there's no plans to put out the day activities. So if you don't come to the panels in the day, you're never going to know what happened. What happens at King's Place stays at King's Place. Um, but how are you guys feeling? You excited? Mm. Yes. Yeah, I'm very excited. But any queries, as you just to underline, any queries go to James, not me or Beth. <laughs> James is handling the whole thing. Any ticketing problems? Any questions about? Yeah, James, James, James. Yes. Yeah. Harass me directly, and I will do my level best to sort it out. But that is Sunday, the 21st of August. Be there all day. It's going to be a party. Come see us. Yeah, I can confirm as well. Two guests, at the very least, have been announced already. Um, <laughs> Absolutely oh, yeah. sure to confirm. Yeah. yeah. Helen and Stephen Webb will be in attendance. So at the, the very webs. least, if we could do, if we could organize a meet and greet for, they'll be absolutely fucking mortified listening to this. If we could arrange like a little meet and greet, maybe with <laughs> Helen and Stephen. Have you sorted out their luxury um, transport, etc.? Oh, like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Good. Um, yeah. We've got a, a Hummer limo going to Swindon the night before to pick Excellent. them up. Yeah. Excellent. Good. Yes, uh, Beth's parents will be there signing autographs. Uh, Beth's dad will be telling you all about his time stealing merch from studios back in the 80s. Yeah. It's going to be great. What yeah. is it, the Free Willy backpack? Where he got that from? Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be yeah. brilliant. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a special two-hour Q&A with them, I think. It is. It is. And it's just going to be called Beth Webb, The Early Years. It's going to yeah. roll out the baby pictures. Oh it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be epic. It's going to be epic. Jesus Christ. Can't wait for this. Do better now. You see, realize it's what what Jimmy Gimmel would say. I believe you opened the door to this on testimony, Beth. And therefore, on cross, I am now able to get your dad to bring the baby pictures to to Pilot 200. Jesus uh, Christ. So yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But, 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 enough about Pilot 200 for now. We will be talking about it a lot more in the future. I can tell you that. As things are announced, incidentally, as we lock down people, I will be announcing them as we go. So you'll find out more about what's going to go on during the day as the date gets closer. But let's talk about what we've been watching other than Better Call Saul, which we will come back to. Guys, 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 what have you been watching? Well, we got to talk about Ms. Marvel, haven't we? 
Because we do. that finished this week. Yes, it um, did. Now, I am not, you know, I'm not as invested in the MCU as other people. Yeah. So it wasn't, it was fine. I couldn't watch it the morning it came out and I managed to skip it. Whereas a lot of people had it spoiled for them. And I think there is, I'm sure we've spoken about this before and we'll probably talk about it again. But can we talk about the fact that the main spoiler from <laughs> Miss Marvel was trending on Twitter the day that it came out? I just, I find it exhausting now that you can't get through the day, even the day that a new episode is dropped without it, it being spoiled anymore. You have to get up at eight o'clock in the morning, basically, to watch a show that you love or something. Otherwise, it gets ruined. I mean, yeah. my, my partner is very invested in MCU, was up working a 15-hour day last Wednesday, so couldn't watch it until later, had to go on Twitter for something, instantly ruined. So I've, uh, it's a it's a sticky sticky space to be in. It's put a little put a little bee in my bonnet is what it's done. But regardless, it was very exciting. I didn't understand what the post credits thing meant or what any of the big spoiler things meant. But I, it was very excitedly explained to me <laughs> within the office yesterday by about five different people, and that sounds very exciting. But I mean, what a fantastic series! I am hmm. so. So you're what? furious about you're furious about the spoilers, but you didn't understand the thing yeah. that they were spoiling. <laughs> Listen, I'm flying the flag. I'm merely flying the flag for the everyman here. Oh, Listen, I hear you. Uh, but yes, no, I didn't. I didn't really. But yeah, if you went on, you'd see this this keyword turning on Twitter because people have got up at the crack of dawn to watch it. Um, and I know yeah. you can be like, we're doing on social media, so don't. But, but social oh, no. media is, is so people- integral to life now. You kind of have to. People get um, too excited. People get too excited. They can't stop themselves. I mean, having said that, I get, I get, I get, I get accused of spoiler, spoiler. I mean, we all do. Someone, yes, to would, be fair. someone, <laughs> a, a listener did um, message me about a spoiler about Stranger Things. And I don't even know what, yep. they, what they're talking about, but I'm sure I did. I'm sure every, lots of things can be considered spoilers. But the particular thing you're talking about was literally people are, are people are deliberately. I think that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? People deliberately knowing that if they refer to something in their tweet, they are literally spoiling it. I think that's the difference between there's always ambiguity when discussing a lot of films and tv what is the premise what is a spoiler all of that yeah. i think is different there's a there's different grades of it it's a it's a it's a, it's a time-honored discussion but you're right it was i saw it as well yeah. same as you uh, and um i'm not i'm not as similarly not as invested um as 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 you know the, the real hardcore people um on on empire but um it didn't really ruin it for me somehow i was like oh okay mm-hmm. and then uh, but i do think as as a lot of people have said this has been an absolute triumph as you've said this it's been an absolute triumph. I agree. The whole like partition, partition, explain, oh explain the India and Pakistan, all of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, they did do an episode of Doctor Who about that, as I mentioned to someone this week. But this just to just to have like the whole a whole pop culture phenomenon like this, mm. Mm. getting delving into that kind of thing, um, is just it just doesn't it doesn't need to do that. So I think yeah, as I've said before, I think TV is where Marvel is really pushing the boundaries and testing testing the limits and exploring new exciting new things definitely. yes i loved it i also i also loved that the the main spoiler in this was such a throwaway line accompanied by <laughs> and i'm not going to spoil it for anyone don't worry, i'm not going to say accompanied by a musical flourish that had me clapping my hands giddily like i was so mm. over, like it had the absolute perfect desired effect on me as i'm sure it was designed to have i was like oh yeah and it's just 
Yeah, it, it has made me very excited for the Comic-Con announcement, the Comic-Con panel that Marvel are doing, uh, which will be next week. I, I can't wait to see what comes out of that. I really can't. But yeah. I'm going to say no more. But mm. it, if you haven't seen the final episode of Miss Marvel and you somehow have avoided the spoilers on Twitter, you probably want to get on that because mm, definitely. good. Well, yeah. so very much. Oh, I've caught up. I've caught up on Only Murders in the Building ah. season two. I've just watched um, the most recent episode this morning, which had the most wonderful potty mouthed monologue from Nathan Lane. Have you watched it, Boyd? Have you watched yeah. the most recent one? Yeah. yeah. Um, where he's threatening Martin Short's character yeah. oh, in an fantastic. elevator, yeah. and he's saying he's going to put. I want to try to do it service, but he says I'm gonna. You're gonna put your hand in one of those bowls of dips that <laughs> that I make that you love so much, and realize that you're actually choking on a big bowl of fuck, and just like doesn't yeah. break eye contact yeah. with him for the whole time, and it's so tense and hysterical and poetic, and I thought it was it was fucking brilliant. Um, so I'm, I'm well and truly back on board with that, and it's going in some adventurous new places while still maintaining the heart of the show, which I love. I maintain it's an autumn show. I'm seeing Selena Gomez in an impressive array of knitwear. <laughs> and it is like, mm. this This should be watched in autumn. But at the same time, I can't wait that long. Um, I love it. I'm excited for season three, which I'm sure we'll get into a little yes, bit later. Yes, the news. There's, there's, also, there's also Nathan Lane news because he's nominated for an Emmy. We'll talk about the Emmy nominations in oh news. Oh, my we God. Will. I think the we rest will. of the show will probably be talking about the fucking Emmys. Yeah. It's insane yeah. year. Absolutely yeah. insane. Insane. But Nathan Lane, did you read? Nathan Lane is the most nominated Emmy uh, person in history for guest appearances. There's a guest appearance in a show category that he's, that he's been nominated for literally dozens of times. He's never won. Oh, so um, hopefully he will. He, I mean, for the, for next year he's got to win for that speech, as you say, in in the episode. But just the whole idea that adding Nathan Lane to the already, or to, I mean, he's obviously he's in the first series as well. But mm. just having him in there as another legend in a similar, similar, very similar kind of world to Steve Martin um, and um, the other guys. Now I've forgotten who I love, uh, Martin Short. Because I'm seeing our Martin Short. <laughs> just have it, you know. Just, they're all kind just of, said his name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The three of them, like again, you know, just like these old showbiz legends having kind of, you know, camp joyous fun with it is, is just fantastic. Okay. Boydie, I any shows have, you wish to add? Yes. I've got a little a mini list. First of all, I want to say that I thought this week's episode of Westworld was excellent. I really liked it. I thought it was the best episode for a long time. I and didn't understand it. Three, right? Three, yeah. yeah. This is three. Yeah. It's good. Anne Folly. Um, <laughs> it was a lot of stuff. Bernard was back. Um, yes, but less moochy and miserable than he has been um, in recent times um, for various reasons that I won't go into. The whole stuff about the um, kind of 20s, 30s, is it 30s kind of gangster um, world yeah. That, yeah. They're, that they're in is is fun and interesting. And just the whole, towards the end, there was this image of involving these um, flies, because flies yes. are becoming key to the whole, whatever the fuck's going on. I mean, who, who knows? I don't understand it. But that shot of the of a host's mouth opening in the skeletal mm -hmm. 
teeth and the flies was fantastic. Like I'm like, okay, yeah. this is what it's all about. That, An image, know. I should point out, a scene which they put in the first trailer, which I kind of think I probably wouldn't have done, but there you go. But yes, <laughs> right. it's a very striking image. Very, very striking. striking image. And just, I'm just interested again in the whole, in what's happening and whatever the fuck's happening. Mm. I don't understand what's happening, but at least I care. <laughs> yes. Probably, you know, I haven't cared this to this extent about what's happening for, you know, a season and a half, probably. So I agree. Uh, I, yeah. I think that, I thought that was a brilliant episode. Yeah, really, yeah, it's really it's really good. I'm loving season four. Absolutely loving. It. I've seen the first four episodes, so I've got one okay. more week, and then I can start actually watching it again. So right, uh, it's exciting stuff. Um, Go on, Boyd. What else? What else? Now I had loads of people um, telling me to watch Mayor of Kingstown, which is on because it's on it's on Paramount yeah. Plus. And when we did our big Jeremy Paramount Renner. Plus review dump we didn't cover mayor of kingstown for various reasons um i think yeah. partly because it'd been on a while ago it's quite an old show in america like it was on it was on months ago there um but but it's another one of these taylor sheridan shows it's in the it's in the sheridan verse of increasingly vast. he needs yeah. to calm down <laughs> he needs to calm down yeah i mean it's I are you putting in the same bucket as ryan murphy no, he's the new ryan murphy <laughs> yeah he is though he is um but the cast on this show First of all, I think the other reason probably, if, if my personal reason why it fell by the wayside for me is like Mayor of Easttown was so similarly named that I was like, what is this thing? Is it, is it yeah. connected? Is it like, is it accidentally called something similar? But it's nothing to do with it. It's completely nothing to do with it. Um, but Jeremy Renner uh, is in it and he's kind of really, obviously he's really good. He's always really good. And, but the real joy of it for me is Carl Chandler's in it. The real joy of it for me is Diane Weist. Diane Weiss, the living legend, mm. star of Bullets Over Broadway, Hannah and Her Sisters, many Woody Allen films, um, and other fantastic stuff. And she is brilliant in this. She's she's the matriarch of these. So it's all about her sons. Two of her sons run the prison system um, where they live, and basically it's all at these private prisons um, that are being run by dodgy fuckers um, in, in association with dodgy police. And the other, th her third son is is a cop, and she resents. She has principles. She teaches um, prisoners. Fem prisoners on her own you know kind of in, because she wants to because she wants to help them improve their lot in life and she fucking hates her own sons and that hot that premise i think is really interesting so um thank you to the people who basically said to me why haven't you mentioned mayor of kingstown because i have watched now the first two episodes and i'm really interested i think it's really interesting i mean on one level it's just fascinating the, the reality of how prisons mm. work in the united states of america is unbelievable <laughs> So it's just business, that insight. It? It's a business, exactly. It's the yeah. business in this locale. And it's very much based on the real the real situation of how it all works. So it's in it's in it's literally built into the system that they prefer having more and more inmates that crime pays. It's literally like, you know, it's it's a, just an extraordinary world of capitalism gone absolutely mad. Yeah. Uh, but the characters are interesting, the situation is interesting as well. So that's the second thing. Loot, I, I was caught, I caught up with a bit, which, oh, yeah. yeah. Which again, I had quite a few people saying to me, why don't you watch Loot? It was embargoed is why. <laughs> oh yeah, well, that's why we didn't review it. Yeah, that was why we didn't review it. Review it, it was embargoed, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But it is really good. It's really funny. Uh, Maya Rudolph is just brilliant. It's, it's, it, but I think what's interesting is slightly has its cake and eats it because it is about, she is this ultra rich living in the in, in super, you know you're in a whole nother level of wealth when you have a yacht and you have like four or five people living in your home cooking you dinner and huh. making sure you have a mint on a tray 
at night and, you know, <laughs> wherever else the fuck she gets treated to. But the idea of her wanting to break free of that to some extent and to mm. give back to charity and to make, to be a kind of, um, to be to, to be a kind of decent human being really is very funny because she's kind of constantly failing at it and doing stupid things. Um, but you do get to see this ultra luxurious world as well. So it's kind of like, you know, you kind of can actually revel in the unbelievable interiors of her Hollywood Hills mansion whilst also <laughs> taking in the satire on that wealth and obscenity. So I think it kind of works quite well on that level. But you know what struck me watching it though? Because obviously it's be- pristine, beautifully filmed, like all Apple TV stuff. We mentioned this before. I feel like Apple TV Plus has its own style almost of, of um, the way things are shot. I could say, I bet you, I could if you sat me down and said, show me like three clips of Apple TV Plus shows, three clips of Netflix shows, three clips of Apple Prime. I bet I could tell you which streaming service they're going to be yeah. on. They just have a slightly, like... Netflix yeah. has a slightly more traditional cinematic style to it in a way. Apple has this really clean, like white, grey yep. cinematography. Exactly you, you know what I mean? Mm. It's really weird. It's really interesting. Um, and I wonder how the extent to which they actually do tell creators to do that. Uh, there's another Apple TV show that I watched this week that that will be we'll be reviewing in a couple of weeks. That it was all the same again, like just really similar cinematography and 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 the way it's directed and everything. So it's it's I'm fascinated by that. Um, I think that's it. Oh, and my final mention is it's now going to be weekly for all mankind, just to say it is getting better and better and better. The other thing to mention about it is its use of music, of needle drops, is also brilliant. We've had Islands in the Stream, Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers, used almost as brilliantly as Running Up That Hill in Stranger Things. And Black Hole Sun was in a recent episode as well. Yes. One of my favourite one of my favorite songs. I love that song. Um, Soundgarden classic. It was like ultimate grunge. Black Hole Sun. And they, of course, they use it brilliantly because it just kind of works in space in terms of the, you know, the shots of space and all the kind of stuff. So um, on, top of the, it, on top of the fact that it's just brilliant, brilliantly written, directed, produced, acted, the music is fantastic as well. Mm. That's my list. Thank you. Perhaps what I need, Boyd, is to catch COVID again, yes. and that will get me through for all mankind. Who knows? Uh, but this, yep. this, we haven't even scratched the surface. So I obviously watched season two of Better Call Saul and season three of Better Call Saul, but that's not the only things that I watched, guys. Like I have had a lot of time to watch telly. <laughs> so wow. let me tell you, I finished The Lazarus Project, which is brilliant. Uh, I loved every second. That is a show that got progressively better and better and better as it went, and also did incredibly clever and unpredictable things, and so much so that when you think you know what this is about, you, like early on, you realise, okay, this is his personal setup. This is a tragedy that's happened to him. This is his professional situation. I now see what he's going to try and do. And you think you know what what the show is about and then it completely wrong foots you because by the end of the series it is not about what you thought it was about and it has not gone where you think it's going to go and it was really surprising so i thought that was a really clever conception of a tv show that was then brilliantly executed to even when you think you know what it's doing wrong foots you i thought it was great loved it and i want season two to come in my face immediately so uh joe barton if you're listening to this please get writing on season two i need to see it so i watched all of that i also watched the whole of the undeclared war uh, which I have to say was also really good. Yeah. Uh, and there's been a little bit of a hoo-ha about this. I don't know if you've seen. Uh, I mean, obviously, the Daily Mail made a bigger deal out of this than needed to be. But obviously, when it, this this all dropped, and then when the finale, when people saw the finale, there was a big backlash because the finale was, shall we say, have you seen it all, Boyd? You've seen it all, right? No, I haven't seen the finale. No, you haven't? No. Oh, okay, well, I I'm not going to put some words. The finale is you could argue it's not the most conclusive. Now, I don't think that's actually true. I actually think it is quite conclusive, but it certainly leaves some things ambiguous, open to interpretation. Well, I can which tell I you now they want to have a second decision. series. 
Yeah, and and they've been clamoring for that. And actually, it really, it really could use one. But I think even if it didn't get a second season, like if it didn't, like this first one still works on its own, even though it is a little ambiguous at the end. Mm. But you know, when I I, I describe this, shall we say, slightly pretentiously as a low mood piece, I do think it (laughs) has a really dour show. It was a dour show, says Beth. (laughs) No, but it had a really interesting tone to it because, on the one hand, you think, oh, it's Simon Pegg, it's Russian hackers. You know, it's a really you think you know what it's going to be, but it has this really interesting, almost indie film piano score that just sort of plinky plonks and tinkers away in the background. And again, it doesn't do what you think it's going to do. It's really unconventionally told, this story. The third episode is entirely in Russian. I cannot yes. emphasize this yes, enough. I've watched it's that episode, entirely yeah. <laughs> yeah. in Russian. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. But how bold is that to do the entire thing set in Russia, entirely Russian language and subtitled? Because it, it like it, it pulls a big switcheroo at the end of episode two and then goes back and fills in all the blanks in episode three. And it's so compelling. And I think as this goes on, you realize that this is not what you thought it was. It's not you know, a kind of glitzy, glossy, you know, dramatized TV sort of like a espionage thriller. It's a cautionary tale. And it's actually almost like sending up a flag. It's like a warning sign because it's quite terrifying because you see the way they've tied it into to Boris Johnson, the way they've tied it into Trump. They've tried it into everything that sort of happens in modern life and how we don't know anywhere near the extent of how much cyber interference there is that I found it actually quite chilling and really effective. And I think that that tone, which is completely humorless, it's really earnest, but that, that low mood piece vibe that goes all the way through it was really effective in selling that whole story. In my opinion, I thought it was great. So there you go. The, the, the fact that whole episode, the Russian episode, Peter Kosminski mentioned at the um, launch how important that was to him. And of course, it's part of the whole reason that he credits Channel 4, which again, which I'm going to mention more later mm. in news, how important it was that Channel 4 carries on as it is existing at the moment. It doesn't get fucking privatised because they allowed him to do this maverick episode, among other things, that giving him the cre- complete creative um, freedom to do what the fuck he wanted to do hell of a show and i hope we get a second series of that as well really much enjoyed that and that that was my week of television and there was a lot of it let's jump now into news uh and where better to start than of course the 2022 emmy nominations which were announced this week a lot happened and i know i'm late to this party and i should have been clamoring for this all along but Rhea fucking seahorn guys Woo! <laughs> yes do you know finally Finally, I mean, (laughs) absolutely brilliant. I cannot wait. I said this on the spoiler podcast, but I just, I hadn't really seen her in anything before this. And I cannot wait to see where she goes next. I hope she gets to go and do some incredible stuff because she really deserves it. I know that's because she directed her first episode in the, this season of Better Call Saul. So if she gets to direct some more stuff, I'll be really pleased. But yes, I think, yeah, this is going to be, it's an insane year. I'll start by saying this is a fucking insane <laughs> year. Like, I can't get over it. But I think even in this year, with your successions, with your mazes, with your staircase, with your only murders, with your barries even, it will probably be the better call soul year, won't it? Definitely in terms of performances, because I don't know. Maybe I'm really swinging with this. I don't know, because it, it's the last chance. It's the last chance for them to be nominated to actually mm, is, walk yeah. away with it. And they are two completely spellbinding performances. Mm. I think at least for Bob Odenkirk, with the added drama of what he actually went through for this performance. Mm. It's next week, isn't it? It's supposed to be 
This podcast episode is going out the same week of the episode of Better Call Saul, where he apparently had his heart attack while he was filming. So mm. I think, you know, if that doesn't... Sorry, I actually think he had his heart attack. In fact, I, re- I was reading all about it. That was during the filming of the episode we just saw. That was... that was. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So um, because it was particularly kind of, um, I mean, ironic or whatever you want to say, because, you know, they did, there's a corpse on the floor of the episode, no spoilers. Mm. And, you know, it was like, yeah, I think he, he actually had that heart attack right in the middle of that. Yeah, and they had to go back much, m- months, months later and, 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 and shoot the conclusion of that episode. It was filmed, yeah. Jesus like, Christ. Yeah, yeah. But do you know what I mean? The, the extra yeah. narrative to that performance is, I mean, he's, he's, he's got to win. I think it's, it's just... Yeah, I think he could well win. I, th- I mean, I bloody hope so. Absolutely bloody hope. All I'd say is my only, the only slight caveat is if you look at the, um, the list of, of, who, of, of nominees, nominations, how many each series got, Better Call Saul only got seven, right? Now, I know that seems actually quite, mm-hmm. quite decent, but Succession got 25. Succession got 25 did, yeah. nominations. Ted Lasso, 20, White Lotus, 20, et cetera. So I don't, and, and I think what that suggests is that, you know, Succession is very much uppermost in Emmy voters' minds, much more so perhaps than Better Call Saul. That's all I'd say. So mm. I think it is pretty open. The only thing that might happen with Succession is pretty much every actor male, female, yeah. supporting, is nominated Brothers. for that show. I mean, yeah. yeah, there's yeah. like four, aren't there, in one category, I think? In, yeah. um, what, should we go through the categories one by one? Yeah, that's sure. really best. All right, so best drama series. We have Better Call Saul, Euphoria, Ozark, Severance, Squid Game, in a kind of momentous thing, because the first non-English language best drama nomination, mm. I believe, in Emmy history. Uh, Stranger Things, Succession, and Yellow Jackets. I'm so happy Yellow Jackets is in there. What a fantastic <laughs> curveball. Like, absolutely good for them. They won't win, but, you know, the fact that they've been nominated in that is, is like, amazing recognition. Like, yeah. so, so good. I'm so thrilled for them. Like, do you know, like, just looking at that, what a ridiculous year for television. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is insane. There is not a weak link in that group. I mean, I haven't seen Ozark. As, I'll, I'll get to it. But like ev- <laughs> everything in this. Bit Catch is- COVID, Beth. That'll sort you out. <laughs> Not again, thank but- you. Um, yeah, crazy. Thank God they have eight. They have eight nominations in these big categories. When yeah. you consider, you know, yeah. like um, you, you know, BAFTA thinks four or five, five maybe. Actually, maybe BAFTA expanded it a bit this year. But eight. It needs to be eight in each category because there's so much incredible stuff. Right. Best actress in a drama series: Jodie Comer, Killing Eve. Laura Linney, Ozark, Melanie Linsky, Yellow Jacket, Sandra O, oh, Killing Eve, Reese Witherspoon for The Morning Show, Zendaya Ooh. for Euphoria. That's a hard one to call. I mean, not, not Reese Witherspoon, love her, but that was a fucking yeah. bonkers scene. Uh, That's yeah. not going to Z- be that, is it? No, Zendaya's going to win. Zendaya will win. You I'll put any money on it. So yeah. she's second, she's the first actor to ever be nominated twice for an Emmy. She's under the age of like 24 or something wild. Mm. Good yeah. lord. Yeah. Good Melanie Linsky is fantastic in Yellow Jackets. Oh, I'd yeah. love that. I'd love it if she won. Killing Eve, dis- disappointing. I don't want I don't want Winston. Yeah, that. I think that's it's over for that. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Best actor in a drama series, Jason Bateman Ozark, Brian Cox, Succession, Lee Young Jae uh in Squid Game. Bob Odenkirk, Better Call Saul, Adam Scott for Severance, Jeremy Strong for Succession. I mean, you're, it feels like Crazy. Bob Odenkirk's year, but still, I yeah. wouldn't want to put money on that category. I wouldn't no. even know where to start. No. no. Wouldn't know where to start. 
Uh, that is, yeah. Cra- crazy. I can't say it enough. Crazy year. <laughs> a crazy year for television. Look at it. Yeah. That, Jesus. I mean, yeah. It's also no the idea. last, right. last it was also the last season of Ozark, what you were saying. So it's the last chance for that. And people love Jason Bateman, although I'm going to say. Yeah. So character. that is true as well. <laughs> Best Supporting Actress in the Drama Series, Patricia Arquette for Severance, Julia Garner, Ozark, uh, Jung-Ho Yun for Squid Game, Christina Ritchie for Yellow Jackets, Leah Seahorn for Better Call Saul, J. Smith Cameron for Succession, Sarah Snook for Succession, Sydney Sweeney for (laughs) Euphoria. This is one of these things where, so Rhea Seahorn famously has never been nominated for Better Call Saul, which is fucking deranged because even at the point I am, she is so far and away the best thing in it like yeah. so far and away the best thing in it yeah. and it is insane she's not been nominated the thing is though i i don't know that she's gonna win i mean I that's know. a really hard category yeah that sucks that sucks to be in that because i would say out of that group like the buzziest nominee would be sydney sweeney for euphoria definitely with younger generations yeah. her character took on a whole life of its own through like the meme averse, whatever the fucking hell you call it. So she's like like buzzy. And then you've got Christina Ricci, again, the curveball, I would say. Julia Garner, that's the last season of Ozark as well. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm stressed. I'm stressed because it's Ozark's final season and it's Better Call Saul's final season. And I feel like that's what's going to pit them against each other. But it should be Rhea Seahorn. It should. Oof. It should. Right. Best Supporting Actor in a Drama Series, Nicholas Braun for Succession, <laughs> Billy Crudup for The Morning Show, Kieran Culkin for Succession, Park Hae-Soo for Squid Game, Matthew McFadden for Succession, John <laughs> Turturro for Severance, Christopher Walken for Severance, and Oh Young-Soo for Squid Game. Wild. I mean, it's half the cast of Squid Game and half the cast of Succession. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be the half Mac. the cast of Severance. Yeah. It's got to be the Mac. Yeah. Ma- Matthew McFadden. Yeah. It's got to be. This was Tom his Wamsgam. season. Yeah. Tom, yeah, his season. But yeah, who knows? Are you going to, by the way, just are you going to go through all like 37 categories? No, I'm not. Just the main oh, ones. Just the okay. main ones. Because, you know, we, unless you want me to, no, boy. Crack on. Well, we'll press you on for on. now. Okay. <laughs> Best comedy series Abba Elementary, Barry, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Hacks, The Marvelous and Mrs. Maisel, Only Murders in the Building, Ted Lasso, What We Do in the Shadows. Christ. Christ. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. There's too much at stake. Too many people I love involved with this. I don't like it. I don't like it, guys. No one's going to win in my eyes. Oh, are you, we should I mean, just say, I mean, though, that Abbott Elementary, we haven't really ever discussed, and that is on no. Paramount Plus what is as well. Elementary? No. Abbott Elementary is, a, is a, as, as, it, as it's got loads of Emmy nominations, of highly, highly crit- critically acclaimed comedy about um, school school teachers, basically. Um, and it's on. I think it's on Paramount Plus. Uh, and, yeah, I should really... Uh, I, I mean, it's, it's got brilliant reviews in America, so... Um, Yes, we should see it. <laughs> All right, well, let's not let's not go through every single other category. No, I will whiz through some of these. So, best actress in the comedy: Rachel Brosnahan for Maisel, uh, Quinta Brunson for Abbott Elementary, Kaylee Cuoco for Flight Attendant. Good shout there. Elle Fanning for The Great, also good. Issa Rae for Insecure and Gene Smart for Hacks. Best actor: Donald Glover for Atlanta, Bill Hader for Barry, Nicholas Holt <laughs> for The Great, Steve Martin and Martin Shaw for Only Murders in the Building, and Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso. It's Bill um, Hader's year. It's Bill Hader's year, and not just for Barry. I I don't know if we're going to touch on this, but I have to say, Bill Hader being nominated for Curb Your Enthusiasm is my favourite nomination in this list. Yes, (laughs) Yes, I agree, yeah. 
I love so, that he was nominated yeah. for that stupid role. It's so good. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, just yeah. to say about elementary on Disney Plus, not Paramount Plus. Carry on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, other exciting things. So Ted Lasso did well elsewhere. Sarah Nars, Juno Temple, Hannah Waddingham, Brett Goldstein, Tahib Jaimo for Ted Lasso. Uh, Nick Muhammad as well. Like half of the whole of, of Ted Lasso got nominated in, in acting categories, which is fantastic. Uh, what else have we got? So best limited or anthology series, Dope Sick, The Dropout, Inventing Anna, Pam and Tommy, The White Lotus. I would absolutely give it to The White Lotus. One of the only, I think one of the only fuck-ups in the whole list is Inventing Anna was not good. I'm sorry. Inventing Anna does not deserve to be in the list. Oh, <laughs> shit. Bullshit. Yeah. Well, I'm not even going to try and do the accent. It was horrible. It was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's broadly speaking, yeah, obviously the nominations are in full on the internet, but are there any other particular ones? I mean, literally, if you look into Best Supporting Actress in a limited series, it's almost exclusively The White Lotus. It is everyone yeah. from The White yeah. Lotus and two yeah. people from Dope Sick. Like, yeah. so... The interesting thing is the, is the list of uh, of the most nominated shows, and I'll just read you, this is the top, top kind of 11, 10, 11, 12, Succession, 25 With nominations, 25. Yeah. Ted Lasso, 20, The White Lotus, 20, Hacks, only Murders in the Building, Euphoria, Barry, Dope Sick, Severance, Squid Game, Ozark, Stranger Things. Now I stopped there, right? And I'm saying that is a that is that is a list that could be our list of the top shows of the year on Pilot TV. You know, that is a that they've they've done a good job. Sometimes, mm. you know, I think like BAFTAs and um, you know, uh Oscars and all those, I think the Emmys are, are this, this is one of the most reliably well thought through. Yeah. lists of nominees yeah. and um, I don't know what their system is but it's working pretty well I, yeah. I would say I agree speaking of our list of things of the year we have amended it ever so slightly so when it goes up on the website this week you may see that both the Lazarus Project and Slow Horses are now on that list uh, you know we changed our minds what can we tell you uh, <laughs> right okay well that was the Emmys what else has been happening in news did you guys watch the Lord of the Rings the Rings of Power trailer yeah I did yeah, yeah. and I got yeah. two words for you and those two words are Morford Clark <laughs> yeah I'm doesn't she look very, great she looks fucking boss and I think they're doing the right thing she's definitely the star of that trailer isn't she I think yeah. she's yeah. done they've done the right thing there because she looks incredible incredible yeah that's definitely up to my enthusiasm for this show yeah i thought that was i thought it was a really good trailer a really solid trailer lots going mm. on there uh and it gives you a really feel for that world which we haven't really seen properly in quite a long time so yeah i'm more, much more psyched about that now that i know more about what it is mm. i was more excited into it than i thought i would be um there's one shot in the trailer it's like when it's all like dark and there's like glowing people flying around somehow and all that you know what that shot i mean I was like, oh, what's going uh, I on there? I can't remember off the top oh, of my head. It's like glowing orange people <laughs> like floating almost in some kind of like slow motion situation. I don't know what the fuck was going on, but I was Sounds like, oh, great. That's just, that's, that looks good. Um, and yeah, I, 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 it, looks, it looks decent, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it looks decent. Yeah, but that's what they really need it. to hear yeah. from me. Why <laughs> to watch it Amazon if you've got some Prime. time? Prime video, they need to hear that I think it looks decent. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, also in the fantasy world, we had a little bit of a gem from George R. R. Martin, who, no, has not finished The Winds of Winter yet. Don't get excited. But he did say that it's going to end a lot differently from the TV series Game of Thrones. He said that he's going in a very different direction with the books, which will, I'm sure, please a lot of naysayers. But either way, I think it's quite interesting. This may be moot, because I'm still fairly confident he's never going to write them. But, uh, you know, if he does... That'd be interesting to read. He does love to fuck with you, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, he's, he's become a professional <laughs> troll at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
There was a teaser trailer for um, season five of um, The Handmaid's Tale with um, mm. my best friend, um, Elizabeth Moss, who is uh, <laughs> starring in it and is directing a lot of it. And it looks really good, really interesting. It's going to be like her battle of wits with her. And the if you didn't see the end of the last season, I won't spoil it. The big battle of wits between her, the, 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 the outcome of her actions, shall we say, at the end of the last season are coming home to roost. But it looked great. And um, and of course, it's very topical because America is, I'm, not the, I'm the last person to say it, but America is literally <laughs> turning into... Um, yeah. The Handmaid's Tale, as we yeah. speak, in a dystopian, um, abortion-destructing, totalitarian, right-wing, fascist dictatorship. So it's topical. Not to get yeah. political, but no. you're not wrong. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting times, certainly, when art is now turning into reality. So mm. yeah, that's nice and depressing. Uh, changing tack ever so slightly, uh, Ironheart, which is the sort of uh, another one of the Marvel Disney Plus shows coming out, has cast Alden Ehrenreich in a oh. key role in that. Uh, obviously, Alden Ehrenreich, who played the young Han Solo in, well, Solo. Uh, so that's good stuff. This is the series which has got Dominique Thorne in it, who plays Riri Williams, a.k.a. Ironheart. So if you're into the comics, you will, I'm sure, love that. Um, anything else? Beth, any news you would like to share? Oh, yeah. Uh, we got we got a very saucy trailer for uh, American Gigolo with John oh, Bernthal yeah. in it, yes. which looks very exciting. I forgot to say, I finished watching We're in the City this week as well. And I think his his transition to being a, I know it's an ensemble show, but like he is he is pretty lead in that. His transition to be kind of a leading man in things now is so well earned. And he is just such a force. Um, I think he's incredible and I'm really excited to see this show, I think. I think I am. <laughs> I think I'm excited. I'm, I'm fascinated because American Gigolo is, is, I really like the film. I love the film. Yeah. I love Richard Gere. Um, I, do you know what? I, John, John, he's brilliant in everything he does. I mm. don't see him in this role somehow. When I, when, oh, when it was, I do. Yeah, do you? Yeah. Mm, yeah. I don't know. There's something. Yeah. I tell you, part, Richard Gere has classic like Richard Gere was, was the young Richard Gere was beautiful, like an incredibly handsome. Yeah. I don't feel all due respect to John. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's just got a different look and a different vibe to him. Like, yeah, yeah he's think- the psychopath in in We Own the City, totally, hundred percent. But I don't know. I just feel it's different. Something no, different I about like it. so that. It, yeah, okay. It's a fine. it's a crooked handsomeness is how I would define yeah. it. But I think okay. the energy is still very alluring. He's very charismatic. I think. Yeah, I like it. There's like a broad sort of, I say this with kindness, like a wonky-faced handsomeness there that yeah. feels, yeah, very, okay. very enigmatic. Um, okay. I think he's, he's great. I think it's going to be good. Speaking of him, second season of The Bear's been announced, hasn't it? Not that we're ever going to fucking see it over here. I am livid because that has <laughs> taken on a life of its own now, hasn't it? That's become like the most talked about show of the summer. And not a UK TX in sight. Like, come on, guys. Mm. Come on. The bear, Um, the bear, when's it going to air? Yes. That's the question. Exactly. One day, one day we'll get to see that one. Obviously, you mentioned it earlier, but Only Murders in the Building has been renewed for its third season. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that's exciting for those of you who watch it. (laughs) I mean, yeah. It, any any sensible human being watches it, yeah. yeah. It's just, I mean, why wouldn't you have that pleasure? Why would you deny yourself the pleasure of watching any murders in the building? You, I mean, it, well, boy, unfortunately, ridiculous. I'm watching a show. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Better Call Saul. Little show oh, called Better yeah, Call Saul. Okay. So I'm watching that All at right. the moment. Unfortunately, I All can't. Right. So. I I was tickled. I loved the fact that um, 
that that happened. But I was tickled by the news that Amazon Freebie, have you heard this, is handing a straight-to-series order for the American remake of Friday Night Dinner. Oh, yeah, I did see that. What, yeah. what, what in God's green earth and is happening? This is, I love Friday Night Dinner, right? Absolute classic. This is the fourth attempt to remake the show. <laughs> is it? Yeah, unbelievable. Um, there have been loads and loads of attempts. And um, I remember some of the people involved in, in the original version kind of say, oh, it never really worked, the different versions. This looks like they've got all the talented people. They really need all the talented people involved that they can find. It's got, it's got people who worked on Late Show with David Letterman, The Outlaws, The Stephen Merchant Show. Um, it's got, it looks like a good selection of people. It's called Dinner with the Parents rather than Friday Night Dinner. I mean, that's not a better title, but what can you do? Um, so we'll see. But yeah, it's quite comical that that's still that that project has still now been revived and is still is going to happen now. Okay. Well, are we are we calling time on news? Is that a full yes. lid, as CJ would have said in the West Wing? Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's move on then to reviews and first up this week we have witness number three which sees a woman subjected to harassment and threats when she agrees to testify against a member of the gang that runs her housing estate can i get a witness boydie um yes this is the latest um in uh channel five's occasional and very much um welcome uh series of dramas that they always strip them across consecutive nights so this one starts on monday and runs to thursday nine o'clock um they tend to be they tend to go for crime stories, basically, which this is very much, and ones that you can understand, like, the pitch very quickly. You know, they're very quite straightforwardly, um, the stories are quite straightforward. And this one, the pitch of this one is that a, um, a, a woman named Jodie, a single mum, runs a hairdressing salon one day, and this happens right in the opening scene. In fact, it happens in the title sequence. The titles play out as you see her just look up. From her doing a bit of hairdressing, she sees two men kind of shuffling off into the distance through her with the window of her salon. Doesn't think anything about it. Turns out a murder happened after involving those two people. One of them murdered the other. She's the witness. She's an official witness, the witness number three of the title. And the police very much are going to rely on her evidence um, to identify what happened. And the only problem is that this killing involves a gang, a local gang and the bigwigs of the local gang, a terrifying bunch of kids and teenagers and young people who kind of gather outside where her workplace and outside where she is and just kind of stand there looking ominous and threatening and scary. And so she faces the, the dilemma of now her family and friends are, get, are under threat and her business is under threat from these horrible, nasty people. Does she do the right thing, in quotes, and and? and maintain her role as witness in this case? Or does she opt out and just kind of because she needs to look after her family? And that's the kind of dilemma. That's the premise of it. I have to say, I think this is one of the most effective of the of these Channel 5 um, drama series I've seen. I thought that it's very sparse and spare and very um, effectively directed by um, Dermot Goggins, who worked on Bulletproof and Silent Witness, among others. The screenwriter is a young, I think he's a young screenwriter, Thomas Eccleshare. I just think it, the, the dialogue is very, it's kind of quite minimal, but believable. Um, I think Nina Toussaint-White in the lead role is fantastic, 100% um, authentic in that role. Um, and it's just, and I really like, it's kind of very lean storytelling, like you're right in the middle of the story as soon as it starts. Um, you really want to know, you know, it's it's it's, it's scary. It's I think it's really, and, it's, and she gets, she, 
she gets her phone, her mobile phone, she kind of gets horrible, nasty video messages, almost like shots of violence perpetrated by the gang who've somehow got her phone number. And all of that is done really well. All the kind of stuff taken shot on a phone that they're, th- they're kind of implying and threatening her with is done really well. I think it's scary. I slightly worry that people watching it um, are going to think if they ever do end up in a situation where they're asked to help police with their inquiries, that it's really scary to do so. And, you know, your life will be ruined as a result. But that's not the problem of this drama to, to you know, <laughs> kind of take take any position on that. It's just depicting a, re- a genuinely kind of awful dilemma for this woman. Um, so I, I think it's really good. Yeah. Oh, and Sue Johnston's in as a mum. And then Sue Johnston can do no wrong, obviously, from the Royal Family. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I think Nina Toussaint-White is incredible in this. Um has a lot to to sort of get through as this mother in a family she's it's um kids her partner's got a kid she's got a kid so it's kind of this kind of new family that she has but they're very very happy together and you know businesswoman and she's just trying to do the right thing Claire Dunn's in this who was in um is it herself was that the film yes 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 yeah she's wonderful and I've Again, to say I've just watched the first episode of this, um, she seems like there's a lot more to her character, but you sort of have this this initial encounter with her and Jodie, this other character. That she's the policewoman, she's the witness, and you can sense that there's something building there that's not quite being said. Um, all the performances are wonderful, and it's very tautly paced. It's a great kind of thriller, tea time telly. My only concern with this is it's not very nuanced when it comes to the approach of the kids that are tormenting Jodie so I I appreciate it's a drama but everything else in this feels very gritty and realistic and then when it comes to the gang members they're sort of portrayed like they would be in the purge like they're given these purge masks they wear purge purge masks masks, these grotesque (laughs) neon masks they kind of stand like they're in a music video intimidating Jodie from the ground up they're incredibly villainous and it doesn't feel like there's a lot of nuance around that group of people that demographic they're kind of clustered into this horrific little gang of of menaces with very little explanation as to why they are those people perhaps why they ended up in the places that they are you know they're essentially from disadvantaged backgrounds this is not you know they didn't just wake up one day and were like do you know what i'm just going to be a raging piece of shit to any other music and i'm going to wear this this scary fucking mask because do you know what i'm just a teenager and and i listen to whatever the kid like limb biscuit i don't fucking know but it's like uh... limb biscuit <laughs> wow that's a that's a real finger on the pulse young person's reference you got there there Hey there, kids. Hey, fellow kids. I'm Beth Webb. You crank up the limp limp biscuit. But you know what? I I think there's something almost slightly damaging in the portrayal of these kids. Um, But that said, I have only watched one episode. It might be that we do find out. There's there's one lad especially that is sort of not quite the leader, but quite pivotal to this Mm. kind of campaign of torment against this poor woman. Um, And... Maybe we find out a little bit more about that person. Maybe it's not quite all that it seems, but at the moment it comes down to this this woman, Jodie, having to make a choice between backing off and staying safe or standing up and doing the right thing for the good of her community. But yeah, I just think it lacks nuance 
initially where I think it could do with some. Like these mm. are not down and out rotters. Do you know what I mean? They, they hail from an estate. Life is obviously not built in their favor from the off. And I just think a little bit more tact with that treatment could have helped. I, it's funny you say that. Like when I saw this, I thought I, I thought the portrayal of the kids, they were, they, it had a hint of the Daily Mail about it. Yes. A little bit like these villainous little hoodies and their demonic masks. And yeah. it, like, it had it like had horror film tropes. Like she looks yeah. out the window and they're all just scattered around, like just staring at her. Like it yeah. almost has a supernaturally vibe to it because they're clearly very, very demonized. Um, village of the but Damned. It is, yeah. it is, yeah, it's very Village of the Damned. 100% yeah. that, or Midwich Cuckoos, if you like. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, the, thing, the thing that I found most about this is I just couldn't watch it because it was just I found it traumatic like it is so unbelievably stressful like yeah. unbelievably mm. stressful and I just it got to the point where I was just exhausted by the end of the first episode <laughs> and just slightly shell-shocked and a bit mm. traumatized by the whole thing so I can't say I enjoyed it but I do think it was very good and very well made uh so yeah. I suppose it depends on how much your tolerance is for this kind of thing but yeah. it's I mean it's bleak there wasn't a hint of joy in it like it was a really bleak story um yeah it's but very grim, well told it? yeah and condensed across the week like that's a that's a hell of a week of evenings <laughs> but i think it is gonna i think pe- i think people will be gripped by it because uh, i also think um i mean i've only watched the first episode as well but i do get the sense that it's going to explore at least one or two of those gang members and also because mm. you're seeing it from her point of view aren't you i think it's very much she is being terrorized by yeah. the man she it is a horror film she's living through for her so i think it kind of works yeah. um and i think it will i think it will explore the police guy more um and um it'll go down various interesting interesting routes yeah yeah well that is witness number three and that is stripped across the week from 9 p.m on channel five next up we have season three of apples trying which is the anti-breeders uh this stars rafe spall and esther smith as parents who as we begin this season have just adopted a brother and sister but can they hang on to them beth I mean, yes, I have to say I was laughing so much to myself watching this because the complete parallel between the angst-inducing experience of watching Breeders and this sunny, almost like break into song story of trying where these two very wholesome, very in love parents are like, finally have their dreams come true and are taking their kids to the zoo. It's just like <laughs> such a vast leap in like tone in everything to the point where it was pretty jarring. Like I just, <laughs> I was ill-equipped for how like optimistic <laughs> this show was. Um, I mean, it was it was a little bit too balmy for me and a little bit too sweet and, and sentimental. So yeah, they've, they've finally, I haven't watched the other two series as well. It's probably worth saying, but from what I gather, they've been trying really hard to, to conceive a kid. Haven't been able to do that. So we've adopted this uh, kid. I'm, I'm going to say 10 to 12. I don't know. The kid, the, the brothers, small human, small Just... human and a smaller human are <laughs> yeah. basically what, what we're dealing with here. Um, but there's, there's sort of on a trial run with these kids, I think they're, um, at a zoo and Rafe Spall's character, who was lovely, is trying to sort of bestow parental advice to the kid, which was stuff like, don't buy the first round in a pub because people leave early. (laughs) And then there's like, you know, there's Esther Smith as well, who is lovely in this. I haven't seen her in anything before, but she is wonderful. And she's trying to kind of show that she cares very much about the little girl. Um, and then there's a big sort of rousing family scene where they all chirping together and, you know, show it to 
the government. I don't really know. It was it was just it was <laughs> I think because because I've been brought down because I plummeted because of um breeders trying i was just like I, this is too much this is too much there needs to be some sort of middle ground there needs to be something in the middle but then like kind of weans me on to to trying but it was just it was just a little bit too chirpy for me i, I just weren't in the mood i don't but, think so like, you could have is, motherland as the as yeah. the like you know in the middle <laughs> yeah. couldn't you? you could like yeah. have the yeah have the real that like the hardcore harsh medicine of yeah. breeders you could have you slightly water it down a little bit with motherland and then you get to the lovely lovely oozing niceness yeah. of trying um, motherland has the snark but none of the sort yeah. of like the hard edges yeah. whereas yeah. this yeah. is just possibly the most wholesome thing on television yeah this oh, yeah. episode not only made me laugh out loud because i think rafe spall's delivery is absolutely top-notch in this but it also i had me bawling my eyes out of one particular scene oh, i was thought it was it was so i was so lovely like it was just so delightful <laughs> they had me cry floods of tears I thought it was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Uh, and Smith is really, really good in this as well. I was in tears in about the second minute. I mean, what's yeah. wrong with you, Tim? Yeah. Oh, come on, you! Oh, it's so sweet. Split up. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> you can say how they're going to split up. This, this brother and sister. This, the cutest little kids in the world, by the way. They can't, the, the little boy. I mean, he's like this adorable little he's guy. He's going to be separated yeah. from his fucking sister. That is yeah. bleak. I was like, no, they cannot do that. And then, do you know what I thought? Actually, I thought there was going to be a joke. I thought the opening joke because it literally plunges you straight in to the fact that these two are going to be split up by the authorities. And I thought the joke was going to be that they're all going to be split up from like a dog or a cat or something, like a pet. I thought that was going to, I was like, oh, they're just, they're not really being split up. They're being split up from, you know, an animal. But no, it's them that the authorities want to split up for whatever reason. They don't think these two perfectly lovely middle-class people in Camden, in in, in a very nice house in Camden, um, can cope. But and that's why, and then you get the whole his dad Phil Davis. I absolutely love Phil Davis as his dad organising the the really rousing funny. the troops. Mm. Wonderful. But I was in tears after about five minutes when it became clear that the little boy yes, Boyd. Yeah, and yeah. I pretty much maintained the level of emotional engagement. Yeah, you know, absolute peak of like just just awful, just devastated by the whole idea. And in the end, as you say, I mean. I'm not even spoiler alert. I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's not a fucking tragic comedy. Um, but, but this series, I love this series. It yeah. has taken us through the real. I mean, on, on you know, on a slightly vaguely serious point, it has taken us through the grueling situation that parents who can't have children face and i think it's done that really well all the different options they go through you do have to all the hoops you have to jump through um and now and now in the adopting situation it really so even though it is you're right beth it is really incredibly sweet warm-hearted show but somehow it is showing you the harsh reality of Mm. Become, wanting to become parents to kids, however, why you have to sort it, and you know, and what happens, in, and the whole adoption towards the last, the end of the last series, all the hoops they went through there were fascinating and kind of annoying and and, and, and difficult, etc. But you're right, the two of them are fantastic, Esther Smith and Rachel. Their chemistry, they are the most believable yeah. couple. The way they deal with each other, it's fantastic. So I yeah. am absolutely fully on board with the emotional <laughs> roller coaster of trying. <laughs> it is a proper like get yourself someone who looks at you 
like either one of those look at each other. Like yeah. they're just so delightful. And it's just, oh, there were so many moments as I felt my heart sort of swell to about 20 sizes larger. Like it was just so, I was like the Grinch at the end of the film. Mm. Uh, it was, yeah, it's, it's a lovely show and I loved every minute of it and it's wonderful. Trying Then, which is on Apple TV Plus season three, dropping on the 22nd of July. Finally, finally this week, we have the final part of the final season of Better Call Saul. Now, had we reviewed this before I had COVID, you guys could have reviewed this with wild abandon. I'd have had no earthly idea what was going on, and I'd have just sat here on my phone, as you can imagine. However, see, now that I'm finally plowing through this show, and by some miracle have avoided, and I can't emphasize this enough, all spoilers today. I've avoided all spoilers for the show. So I refuse now to have it ruined at the final hurdle. So I can tolerate no discussion of plot or character whatsoever. So I put it to you now, this challenge that I'm putting before you. You must review this show entirely in code. It will only be understood by people who are entirely up to date with the show and will contain not so much as the shadow of a hint of a spoiler that might otherwise affect my enjoyment. So, so there you go. That's the challenge. I mean, you know I'm terrible. No plot, no character, no spoilers. Okay. 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 With Uh, those caveats in place, though, let's talk about this without actually talking about it. Who would like to start Better Call Boyd? Better Call Boyd, yeah. Um... So all that was okay. I'm trying to so working around it. The, the the climax of the mid season break, um, episode seven, brought all the major players together. No, that's not. So I'm not. Even that's probably a spoiler. But, it is. Yes, uh, <laughs> you're on, God, you're on all thin right. ice. All right. So, <laughs> and then now, now in this episode, in this episode, point and shoot. Some characters, <laughs> some characters <laughs> are getting other characters to do what they want them to do, right? Yeah. Right. And the, there's so many fascinating implications of this because are, why, do, why does one character want trying to persuade this other character to for another character to do what he wants this character to do? And there's this whole like, and to be honest, and Beth will, I think maybe Beth will at least understand what I mean. I found it really. Um, I, I thought it was this because in our spoiler special, all listeners, it's worth pay, you know you have to pay. I know to get access to the to the Empire spoiler special. We did an Empire pilot TV crossover, and Beth and I joined Chris Hewitt, and we and that's there talking about what we thought would happen. We yeah. talked about the first half of the season, and we made predictions about what we thought would happen. And I got very excited about one particular element of this episode because I thought, oh, that goes to one of my predictions. It pertained to one of my predictions about about. I can say about about Jimmy and Kim basically, mm. and um, I'm not going to say any more. Just something about Jimmy and Kim. Okay. And so the whole Jimmy and Kim storyline, Beth, in this episode, I was mm. like, oh, okay. What does that mean? What are the implications of that? Is that why are they? Why is that one of them doing that? Why is the other one doing this? What does it all mean? What are their motivations? What does it mean for them? So I, I, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> but that <laughs> element among so that element was like, fuck, that is huge and what does that mean i then i have to say i did then read an interview with the guy who wrote this episode who kind of explained it to me because i didn't actually i didn't deduce exactly what i think he meant us to deduce from what happens in this episode but that's no problem because it's going to carry on and the implications will play out so there's that element which which was just fascinating and surprising then just as a kind of exercise in tension this was a masterpiece of an episode. You know, yes. it is one of those standout, you know, one, two or three episodes every season of this show and Breaking Bad, same, where it's like a set piece. It's one night. 
it's almost real time, maybe not exactly real time, but almost real time, cutting between all the, ma- the, ma- the major players and what's in this, this thing that's happening. <laughs> and it's so tense, it's so taut, so beautifully made uh, and everything that it is a masterpiece of an episode, 100%, one of, one of the great episodes of an already great series. So yeah. in terms of just, you know, what do, you, what do I think about the, the, the return from the mid-season break and this, the first of the six final episodes you're going to get well? I mean, if they all... If they all as good as this, anywhere near as good as this, in terms of surprising you and making it incredibly tense and exciting and thrilling, then it is going to maintain its position as one of the best shows of all time. That yes. was beautifully navigated, Boydie. Thanks. <laughs> I, have, I have such little to add to that other than I am perpetually surprised. I am perpetually stressed. The show goes from strength to strength. I think it might kill me. <laughs> God. I think it might kill me, Dad. <laughs> if I'm not at 200 live, it's because Belkusol killed me. Mm. Was there a sequence in this episode where Mike spends seven to ten minutes knocking nails into anything? I fucking wish there was, to be honest. Yeah. Just to level me out in between. <laughs> everything else that happens uh, we, yeah there isn't exactly that but there are so many brilliant mic moments though i mean just 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 pure micness of mic yeah. oh my god interestingly if we are doing a live version of the show on 200 on the 21st of august it, so yes it'll be directly after the finale it so will. we will be talking about this in some form <laughs> in some form we will be discussing better call saul on the live show i don't know quite whether that will be a larger format or whether it will be part of the general show but we will 100 percent be responding to the fact that it will have finished just the week before yeah and the bonus thing is that anyone in attendance will be able to see my face just doing like 20 <laughs> billion different expressions as i'm talking about this show there is actually going to be, and this is absolutely true, a panel where I will, for 45 minutes, just hammer nails into a hose. And that's going to be that's going to be the whole panel. Just me Great. knocking nails into a hose. Absolutely true. That works um, very well. <laughs> I think so. Well, let's just play the music to Better Call Saul in the background. Um, you have the same look, haircut as Mike, so that'll work. I do. I do look uncannily <laughs> like Mike. That's absolutely true. Uh, I, 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 I mean, obviously, I haven't seen this episode and I haven't seen this season because I'm still on season four at this stage, but I'm catching up at quite the rate. Um, but this show, I'm, I'm, you know, I can't speak to whether or not it's better than Breaking Bad at this stage, but even where I am at the moment, I'm completely hooked on it and it's incredible. And I think, you know, I, as I've said previously, I do think it takes quite a while to get into. And I do think in this age of peak TV, asking people to hang on for two seasons before it not gets good, but really gets involved you know massively involving you know it's a difficult that's a difficult hurdle to get through and i think a lot of people won't because they're so you know there's so much choice at the moment but all of you who harassed me and badgered <laughs> me and told boy to air a vote of no confidence in me uh you were right you were absolutely right and i 100 percent needed to do this and i'm actually very glad you did it so to the covid gods thank you I guess. Oh no, let's let's not go that far. Let's not go as far as thanking COVID. You can thank us for our excellent taste. Okay, I thank you. I won't thank COVID, but COVID nevertheless (laughs) gave me an opportunity I might not have had otherwise. But uh, it was a silver lining. It was a a silver silver lining. lining, Yes. To a horrible. To a horrible, horrible disease, which it has to be said is not fun <laughs> in the slightest. I was very, very ill. I felt terrible. Uh, but yes, I did get to plough through Better Call Saul. Okay. But uh, then Better Call Saul Season 6 Part 2 then, uh, which is airing now on Netflix and new episodes drop every... What day of the week does it drop? Tuesdays. Tuesdays, Tuesdays I think. Tuesdays. Tuesdays then on Netflix for Better Call Saul. 
Right. What else is out this week? Let's have a look. What do we think? Well, we we could I, I, we couldn't review the thing about Pam, which is a major um, true crime drama series starring Renee Zellweger among yeah. others, because um, Paramount Plus um, it's embargoed until the day it comes out. And all I'd say is all I'd say is that this did air months ago in America in full and has been reviewed by every single major outlet in America <laughs> in full. So it's a bit weird. And this may be why I tweeted this week that the worst kind of embargo are embargoes placed on shows that came out months ago and have already been reviewed everywhere in the world apart from here. Yeah. But that's it's on hard Paramount to Plus on Thursday. Uh, Brilliant. I, I will say, and I forgot to mention this in things we've been watching, but I guess we should drop it in here. I did watch Resident Evil, which is on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I watched it so you guys didn't have to. Thank you. Uh, that's another thing that I picked up. It's not what you think it is, though. So it starts off and it's full of teen angst. Like it's too, like Albert Wesker. You haven't played the games, but Albert Wesker is one of the villains in the games. He's played here by Lance Reddick. And he's it kind of takes place in two timelines, one after the virus outbreak. And then I think it's like 10 years before. So it's like in 2024, which is their present day setting. And then 2034, which is the post virus apocalypse setting. And, and the 2024 setting is just Albert Wesker, shit parent. And it's just him with his two daughters who have just started this new school, like run by Umbrella, the sort of evil corporation. And he's just being a shitty dad and working all the time. And you're like, what is this show? Like, this is 100% not what I thought Resident Evil show would be. But then obviously, zombie dogs turn up, the virus outbreak. So it does become that show. And it, But the first episode, it's teen angst and giant caterpillars which is a really weird combination but there's a giant mutant t-virus infected caterpillar that tries to eat one of the main characters it's really really weird but it's also at the same time a bit boring and i kind of think that if it had been the whole thing had just been albert wesker shitty parents and it had just been like 10 things i hate about you but he was the dad i'd have been quite here for that it would have been a real you know wrong footer but it might have been quite fun but it, i think unfortunately they don't really latch onto that enough and they let that idea pass there's a particularly fun scene though where one of his daughters gets in trouble at school and he swaggers in there and does this sort of ice cold threats to the other girl's dad who obviously is lower down in the rungs of the umbrella corporation and it's a i mean that's that's quite fun uh but giant caterpillars no post-apocalyptic like faceless soldiers killing people no zombies isn't it no isn't so, there only four episodes no. this series uh it might well be i only got through the first two yeah. i didn't get to all of them so i cannot tell you it might well be but mm. you know it's got some humor in there like some of the stuff in it is quite fun i think a lot of people like the guardian and the telegraph both gave this four stars and i should put that out there they both gave this four stars absolutely Crazy. true and i read those reviews and was like did we watch the same show because i'm very very confused by this because i'm a resident evil fan and i was not really in the tank for this but your mileage may vary they loved it it's possibly just the heat i don't know but uh <laughs> you know watch it if you feel like it if you like the idea of albert wesker shitty dad then maybe watch uh, resident evil mm. um but anyway uh what else is on this week i'm looking there is a new spin-off of fbi F FBI International that does start on Friday. Yeah, all all the other FBI's are on are back this week. If you're an FBI fan, this is on Sky this is Witness. Dick Wolf who's trying to drown us in spin-offs of, of his yeah. various television procedurals. So we have yeah. FBI season four, which starts on Sky Witness on the twenty first. We've got FBI colon Most Wanted, the first spinoff, which starts its third season on Sky Witness on the twenty first, and then FBI colon International, which is an entirely new spinoff from old Dick, and that starts on the twenty second of July. 
July. I mean, that man, honestly, he's very yeah. busy. Yeah, he is. Um, uh, so there's that. There's better things that I mentioned that last week. That starts it started on Sunday, actually. The fantastic Pamela okay. Adlon last season of that yes. from BBC Two on Sundays. Um, Blackish, the last season. Everyone watched Blackish, which is a pretty good show, Ooh, American okay. show about middle class black family. It's on its fine eighth and final season on E4 this week, and the first episode, which is on Monday today, features Michelle Obama in a guest appearance playing herself. And there's a Paramount Plus comedy that starts on Thursday called I Love That For You with Vanessa Bayer and Molly Shannon of the White Lotus fame. That looks quite interesting. Uh, yes. Okay. Well, that's sweet. What is our pick of the week as if I even need to ask? Well, I mean, it's best of course all, yeah. yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to kill me, it's, but I can't get enough of it. Yeah, it is dead better school. That said, Witness number three is really good. Yeah. And trying is will make yeah. you laugh, will make you cry, or if you're Beth, will make you eye roll. But nevertheless, <laughs> <laughs> that's really good as well. Eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, Better Call Saul for me, season four. For the rest of you, season six. Well, that's it for this week's Pilot TV podcast, sponsored by COVID-19. Uh, <laughs> if you enjoyed the show, then instead of leaving us a five-star rating, head over to the aforementioned incredibly long URL, which I have now pinned, my pinned tweet. If you go to at James C. Dyer on Twitter, my pinned tweet gives you the link to buy tickets to Pilot TV Live. Uh, and please buy five tickets instead so we can all <laughs> hang out in person. That would be fantastic. Uh, also, do follow us on social media at Pilot TV Pod, as well as, as I've mentioned, each of us at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, at Beth K. Webb. Uh, now, next week, Quite a few things going on. So Andrew Garfield is becoming a man of the cloth in Under the Banner of Heaven, which finally comes to these shores. Plus From. Now, this is the sci-fi show that Titus Welliver personally recommended to me when he came over for Boston. Oh, From is coming to Sky Sci-Fi. That's very exciting. Plus Paper Girls comes to Prime and Surface comes to Apple. So amidst all of that, I'm sure we can find something to get excited about. Uh, this is, of course, assuming that I can drag myself away from Better Call Saul long enough to watch any of it and there are no guarantees pilot out